0: Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to different kinds of creative people about how they do their thing, how they bring things to life, how they hang in there through all the ups and downs. Today, I have two guests. I'm so excited about this interview. They're the two men behind the book, Loving, a photographic history of men in love, 1850s to 1950s. They're a real-life couple. Their names are Hugh Nini and Neil Treadwell. Uh, they live in New York city and for the past 20 years, they have been collecting vintage photographs of male couples that you can tell from looking at the photograph, these guys are in love. So they started doing that 20 years ago. It just grew and grew and grew. And they just came out with this beautiful, big, thick kind of coffee table book of photographs called Loving. It's available in all these different languages and countries it's gorgeous. I really wish that podcasting was a visual medium for this interview because the pictures are amazing. And we do talk at some of the, talk about some of the, them specifically. But if you go to this particular website as you listen, you can see a lot of their work um, on, on the links that are on that website. It's loving1000.org. And then there's a, a bunch of um, media that they've already done. Um, there's an interview with the Daily Mail or an article in the Daily Mail that has a bunch of the amazing photographs. So if you want a visual to go with your listening experience, I recommend going to that website and um, clicking around and and seeing some of the pictures. Um, It was so much fun to talk to them and I can't wait to get into the interview. But first, I want to get a plug-in for the virtual game nights that I'm still hosting of the game I co-created, You Don't Know My Life. If you are sheltering at home, which so many of us are now, uh, depending on where you live, um, and you wanna connect with people, have some fun, a holiday party, um, set up a time with me and we will host you in a virtual game night. We have a screen that that everyone can see and an app on your phone where you enter your answers. It's very cool. Um, Go to youdon'tknowmylife.com and the box game, if you're looking for a fun gift for somebody, is available on Amazon. All right, that's enough of the plugs. Here are Neil Treadwell and Hugh Nini, the two men behind the book, Loving, a photographic history of men in love, 1850s to 1950s. Joining me now via Zoom, it's Hugh Nini and Neil Treadwell. They're the two men behind this beautiful book that I'm holding in my hands, which you can't see because this is a podcast. It's called Loving, a photographic history of men in love, 1850s to 1950s. So these are vintage photographs of loving male couples welcome to the podcast you guys thank Thank you you. thank you dennis for having us um will you do us a favor right out of the gate will you say my name is neil and this is what i sound like or my name is hugh so that people can go oh that's hugh that's neil as we carry on
1: my name is hugh and this is what i sound like my name is neil
2: this is what i sound like
0: he's the one with the thick texas accent right because you guys were living in texas before you moved to new york city is that right
1: yeah, lifelong.
0: All right. Love it. All right. So I first came across this, I think I read about it on a, on one of the bigger news sites. And I just, it really captured my imagination that there are these photographs of loving male couples, the body language, the face. It just, it it says it instantly. And you've collected them over the years and turned them into a book. So how did this all start for you? I know it started about 20 years ago,
2: right? right it started 20 years ago we were headed home after church and decided to stop into a little antique store on the way home and i was digging around in one of the booths and found a box of photographs and flipping through them i found one couple is this two two guys and they were in an embrace. one was embracing the other one from behind it was in kind of just in front of a home and in a little garden setting i was like oh my gosh i can't believe this so i ran and found hugh And I said, look at this photograph I found. This is so cool. So we stuck it in the middle of all the other photos that were bound together, took it up to the desk, bought it, took it home, and uh, that was the first one. It sat on our desk for
1: probably couple of months, three oh, maybe, months, uh, longer than that, I think <laughs> we didn't have any plan for it. This is Hugh speaking. Yeah, we didn't have any plan for it. We didn't have any expectation that there would ever be a second one. We have a, a home office and a large desk that we share in that office. And that photo moved from pile to pile to pile to pile over the months, if not a year. Um and we just enjoyed seeing it on our desk every once in a while when we were cleaning up cleaning up the desk it was sort of and taunting
0: you like find more there's
2: more of me out there right well, well we we maybe <laughs> we didn't really oh and we didn't even think anything about it we just thought it was a really neat photograph yeah. and and it wasn't about six nine months later we found the second one and it was on an auction and it was a very small probably about two inches by two inches photograph of of a military, two military guys. And on the, it was in a glass frame and on the glass it had etched, always yours. And so you know, that was the second one. And wow. then it was probably another year after that before we found the third one.
0: I love it. Is that first photo that you found in the book?
1: It's not, unfortunately, it's a wonderful photograph. And actually we have a duplicate of it that appeared probably 12, 13 years later. And there's an inscription on the back. The reason it didn't make it into the book is because it's, um, even though the uh, message of the photograph is very clear that this is a a male couple that are romantically involved, the resolution is a little bit dark and uh, wasn't suitable for blowing up into a larger format like the page on a book.
0: Right. You have to kill your baby sometimes. You have to make your choices. (laughs) Because I I read that you now have over 2,800 photos in your collection. Oh, that's not
2: true. We oh. now have over 3,000. Over
0: 3,000. and It how continues many are actually, to grow daily. How, how many actually made the book?
2: 327. Beautiful.
0: Talk to me about the 50-50 test that you guys had when you're deciding if a photo makes it into the book or makes it into your collection.
1: Well, a 50-50 photograph won't make it into the book, but it could make it into our collection. And what that is, is when... Um, we see a photograph of two men together, there has to be, in our perception, at least a 50% likelihood that they are a couple. Right. And that's a, that's, a, you know, that's a healthy threshold. It's not low, it's not high. And we'll only collect a 50-50 photograph if it's not very expensive. And the reason for that is that uh, in, these photo, in these 50-50 photographs, the body language is often kind of tangy. But there is something that you can look at in their eyes where you perceive that there's something more than a friendship there. And so based on that, we'll collect a photograph like that.
0: It's very intuitive, I think, for you guys. Do you ever disagree on one? Are are one of you over like, these guys are in love. And you're like, no, they're not. They're just buddies playing around.
1: We have had that conversation
2: more than once. (laughs) Right. But we we generally talk through and one one person will give in. Right. Um, I was
0: very touched looking at it because having yourselves photographed during this time the 1850s and 1950s is an act of courage because who's shooting it who's developing it who's going to see it but I also know just from my own experience when you're in love you want to capture it you want to prove to yourself that it happened like you would want a picture I just know from relationships that I've been in like you want that picture where you look cute together and like there's a you need it to exist, like I would think the payoff is worth more than the risk for some of these couples, but every one of them is an act of courage, I think
1: absolutely, and you know, in one case, tying two things together that we just talked about um, the fifty fifty rule and this this impulse imperative, if you will, to take these photographs despite the risks involved, the one photograph or set of photographs we have about one hundred and fifty from these two soldiers during World War II. The initial photographs that we came across of them, the poses were very tame, but there was, to us, a perceptible look in their eyes that indicated that there was a r- romance there. Yeah. And yeah. those photographs were not very expensive, and so we got about five or six. And then, do you know what page I'm looking and, for, Um And then this photograph appeared of the two of them, uh taken it's during world war ii i don't know if i mentioned that or not right yeah war i was II.
0: just looking at those guys because you mentioned and them it, in the introduction it's on page the...
2: 110 yeah. in the book
1: okay so the photograph of the two of them in the snow yes. that didn't show up until well after we had already collected five or six images of them and so it was confirmation that our perception and our, our our parameters for collecting were working
0: right because it's sort of like okay these guys seem like they could be a couple and then boom we've got our proof
1: Okay it's so dur- the one below the one below them in the snow is by far the tamest one of yeah. the five or six that we collected the other four or five there's a little bit more there than than is in this one and I think the publisher used the tamest one to show the extreme contrast between them maybe not trying to project anything and right. then them projecting everything
0: One of them's safe for work and one of them's not safe for work kind of. <laughs> right, right. But- do you get a rush when you find these things or when you piece together these, when you got the snow one? Isn't there, it's a little bit like detective work or archaeology or it, it's like a, I can imagine that a euphoria that you would get when you make a big discovery.
2: When we do come across one, it is, it is a major rush and just the excitement because you know we're, we feel like that um, us collecting these, we're actually uh, helping save them. Um, yeah. In your and... intro,
0: you describe it as a rescue mission, which I find very poignant. Yeah.
1: The very first photograph uh, we talked about earlier, our only thought at the at the time that we saw the photograph was, "Holy cow! This thing has been around for probably eighty years. It looks like it was taken in the nineteen twenties, and in fact, it was uh, because of the inscription on the back." And our our only thought was, "Let's wasn't let's start a collection again." We never thought that there would be a second one. Our thought right. was we want to make sure this lasts another 80 years beyond our lives and into someone else's lives. Right. That makes sense.
2: How do you tell how old things are? Uh, Sometimes there's a date. Sometimes there's a date. Sometimes you can check by clothing. However, people wore their clothing a lot longer. Uh, Cars lasted a lot longer. People didn't turn them as fast. Um, So there's, certain clues, and then we've shared them with different people that have helped us out as well.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so we can get within 10 years, or it could be the way the photograph was developed. Yeah. So if it's um, an ambrotype, then it's around 19 or 1850 to 1860. If it's a daguerreotype, it could be as early as 1840 and go up into the 1870s. If it's a 10 type, it could start in 1860 and go all the way to 1910. But they, um, they use different techniques uh, in developing them, or where if it was doing a glaze on a tin type, there's different types. So you can get within a 10 year period.
0: And you become experts on this stuff
2: through this um, process. We're, we're teaching ourselves. I wouldn't call us experts. And but you've you know, had to we, learn a lot, for sure. We would we would love for anyone uh, you know that has sees something and if, if we don't have a date in the book and they go oh I know exactly what that date would be based on X Y or Z we would love for you know anyone to share information that they are willing to share.
1: We yeah. do want to issue this disclaimer. We're experts at choosing photographs of romantic male couples. We're not, not experts in vintage clothing and what the what time that that might indicate that the photo was taken. We, we have just done our best, and if anybody out there wants to correct us, please feel free to. <laughs> (laughs) we're happy to have the correct information if we didn't get it right
0: right but i love it but you're looking for clues that car i bet that car came out in this such and such a year and like it's just very interesting what you're piecing together just based on these photographs how did you decide on the cover photo it's it's two men um and it's like a sepia thing and then there's one on the back that they're in a slightly different pose but they just have wonderful faces
2: Right. The, the cover and the back is actually a photo strip. And so those two photos are attached to each other. And both of them are probably about the, the entire image is about an inch by two inches. And the strip is Tiny. very, very small. No smaller. You know, in regard to, uh, was that the the cover? We had chosen another photograph for the cover. We had actually we're thinking page 35 all right let me go in, in there turn uh, in your pen all that would be the cover that we would think and it's uh two guys that are very well dressed uh they're in their best suits they're a lot of jewelry and, and very well groomed one sitting in the lap of another and just a beautiful and uh romantic photograph uh, the it's
1: all shirt. about the
0: way the guy in the dark suit is looking at the guy in the light suit. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, there's some, bo-
1: some really interesting body language between the two of them, which we find very romantic and very um, one's a little shy. Yeah, and uh, but uh, beautiful photograph. It's very sweet. I, yes,
2: but the uh, our publisher decided is he we were when we were presenting uh, to uh, the U.S. distributor. We were going through the photographs, and he said pointed to the photograph that's on the cover. He said, that is the cover. I will never use your cover, that, that your photo, that's the cover that will that will be on the book. And it was because it was, he felt it was more of an iconic image. It was an image that um, would relate to a lot of different levels in society. And he related it to a photograph and and we have to look that look up what the real name is it's a it's an it's a very famous photograph of a woman her name's dorothea and i think it's lang um it's from the dust bowl area and it's a lady with dark stringy hair holding a baby yeah and everyone that sees it knows exactly what that image is and so he said this relates like that one does and you can see it across the room so i mean if you walk yes. into a bookstore you see two gorgeous guys staring at you from across the room
0: there's something powerful about the fact that they're looking at the camera and they're looking at yeah. you and they're letting you into their story yeah. Um, yeah. in the beginning you talk about going through thrift store boxes and stuff that must have been just like looking for needles in haystacks like were you ever like, what am I doing? I've been here for four hours. Like at the beginning, it must have been very painstaking. Am I right?
1: It was, especially because in the beginning, you know, the internet wasn't very well developed. Right. And so it really was a lot of legwork. The thing that we had in our favor was uh, that Neil's job required him to travel all over the United States all the time. And so he found himself, you know, everywhere. And add to that, we have very close friends in Budapest and in Paris, and we have been visiting them for more than the last twenty years, every summer. Um, with I think we've missed one summer. So being in those two cities put us in contact with a lot of uh, foreign uh, collectors that we were able to acquire photos from. So in the beginning, it was it was all leg work. Uh, very little, you know, in terms of um, auctions and and things like that that would come up later. So uh, it's less. Legwork today than it was then, but uh, yeah, it was um, slower and labor-intensive in the early years.
2: There was a, a great flea market oh, here yeah. in New York on I think it's twenty-sixth and sixth. twenty-six and sixth that we used to go to, and there would be a guy who had photos of everything. You know, he'd have thousands of photos and. Half the time they weren't logged with, with the right. little pieces of paper saying what they were. So you would just dig through them. And, you know, look at the draw, we might find one a month, maybe, that felt like it really met our, our qualifications. Our but criteria. you
0: didn't lose patience. You hung in and kept looking.
2: It, you know, it wasn't like we were on that, that really driven mission at right. that time. It's like we didn't have anything else to do. Right. So you know, if, you know, if I had a, a day to kill and if I was on the road in a, in a city just trying to pass the weekend away because I couldn't fly home, yeah. I would look and find an antique store and then just hang out and see what, see what they had.
1: We would love to be able to tell people that we were these nerdy, hyper-focused people in the early years <laughs> of this collection process. Right but that's not the case. It was, we call it, uh, like the first 12 or 13 years, we call that our sleepwalking phase of collection, right? where it was just happening to us. And there was, you know, we had intentions, you know, we were doing, we were doing it intentionally, but we weren't doing it, um, uh, passionately or with a great deal of energy until the last seven or eight years, I guess, probably.
0: I love it. You mentioned your job, Neil, what, what was your job that was send you traveling around?
2: So I've been in the cosmetic industry since the 80s, and I was over education and artistry for Bobby Brown for several years, for 15 years. Bare Essentials, global education for four years. I worked for NARS Cosmetics for a while as well. And then uh, the last company is a, a brush company called Artis. And so I hit 150 cities one year.
0: Nice. And
2: so it's a lot of travel.
0: And I would imagine that soon you guys became known as the guys that collect these pictures. So if somebody came across one, they would reach out? No. You're shaking your heads like nothing. So, not to... Sorry,
2: we're shaking our head no. We you know, it's <laughs> no. we we didn't even tell friends or family we were doing this in the beginning, probably, you know, about twelve years into it. And it wasn't because we just, we didn't think they'd be interested. We thought we were kind of weird for collecting the photographs, but we enjoyed them and-
1: We were doing it for ourselves. We didn't tell anybody about about it. And um, that didn't, uh, actually we didn't tell anybody until we first moved to New York. And we moved here in 2012. We, told, we showed, shared our collection with somebody in 2013. And that was when we had already before, sometime before that, we realized that we had something significant, that yeah. we had done something significant. And we did feel a a sense of obligation that this needed to be shared with the world, that the only, that only us two knowing about this collection and being able to see it was just way too small. We didn't have any idea how to go about doing it until we met with this um, collector that we bought from when we lived in Texas. And um, shortly after moving to New York, he, in this case, this was somebody who did reach out to us with a photograph. And he said, um, because he knew that we were collecting, he said, I've got this. Are you interested? And we said, yes. And um, I, I wrote him back and I said, don't send it to our Texas address. We now live in New York. Here's our address. He wrote back and he said, I live two blocks away from you. Oh, wow. And so <laughs> so he's like um, a shop around we, the corner
0: or whatever. Where yeah, you guys right so we together. met at
1: Starbucks. Yeah. And so we took two, two of our, al- we've been putting our photographs in 12 by 12 albums. Yeah. And just arranging them in themes that, that, that are meaningful to us. And we took two of those albums with us. And we sat down to coffee with him. We bought the photograph that uh, he had shown us through the email. And then we asked him if he was interested in seeing how we'd been placing the photographs that we've been collecting in albums. He didn't know how many we had. We'd only collected about five or six from him over the years. Right. And we handed him the albums. He we went through them very slowly, very quietly. And at the end of it, he just went, holy cow, you guys have got to publish.
2: <laughs> you got to publish this. <laughs>
1: We didn't take him seriously, though. We thought that he was just being nice or trying to get out of it politely or something. He's a nice guy. I, you know, we didn't, we didn't interpret anything, any ill intention on his part, but we we're just like, publish, really? Make a book? Right. But um, it, that, that statement and the, the sense of obligation that we were already feeling sort of started to marinate together.
0: Yeah. I felt something when I saw the pictures, like a connection to the past like it feels like a continuum or something. Can you describe a little bit about what what the power of them is?
1: Well, I think the power of them is that um, you know we had this discussion in another interview, and it was that uh, this is the the primary focus or the focus of the of the collection is LGBTQ, but the greater focus of the collection is humanity. Um, and that's because the message that comes from the collection and from these couples is less LGBTQ and more about love, and that is something that is universally felt by everybody: male couples, female couples, male couples. They all feel this emotion in the same way. And what you know, what this book demonstrates, what our collection, what our collection is all about, and therefore what the you know, what the uh, uh, book is about is is love. And so many people can relate to that. I hope I'm answering your question. Yeah, correctly. no,
0: I, I'm thinking about it too, because it also feels like when you have it, you don't want to have to keep it a secret or you want to yeah. be able You there's some, I think there's an instinct to want to tell people or to share it or to take a picture. Like, I, I think it's, it's, it, it's bigger when you're not
2: just a secret, you know? what we've what we've found is through showing these photographs to people and from people that have now bought a book and reached back out to us is it so many people can relate to it because they don't see two guys here they what they see is love and that's what they say when we show the photographs are passing through and they're just like going, oh my god this is love this is beautiful you can see it in their eyes and they're not going oh that's two guys in love it's yeah uh it re, it's relatable to um you know we've had grandparents that have purchased this for their grandkids we've had a, a young man purchase it for his father who just came out in his 70s oh my uh, gosh and they just they continue to share these
1: heterosexual couples what was the couple where were they from
2: oh, the, a couple from finland, finland that's so what i thought they were on yeah. instagram going back back and forth she was asking me some questions about the book and Uh, I looked at her feed and I'm like, so I'm just curious, why are you interested in this book? And she said, we saw the photo, we saw the cover and flipped through, saw the photographs. um, I think it was on a website and just had to have it. And so I asked a few more questions. She said, no, my husband and I, so it was a straight couple. Uh, we bonded because of her dog but i mean they saw <laughs> me, always a way in, always right but they just saw the love in the eyes and said we just want this it's beautiful
0: talk to me about the title loving
1: we came up with that on our own and it was it was at the point where we decided to start pursuing the possibility of publishing and so just one night we put uh, we put what we wanted to be the cover on a piece you know on a piece of paper and we just we looked at the, at the collection and we said what is this collection saying to us and the first word that came up was love and then we thought let's do a more active or not we didn't think it out we weren't discussing it just thinking it and then the, the, uh, the thought of making it an active word which is loving and we just put loving across the top and amazingly it survived all the way through publishing and it is it's the title in germany and it's the title in Italy and it's the title in the US the only people that did a different title were the french they have and to be difficult is, um, i know
0: <laughs> i love it and, and you guys are framed in my zoom uh, screen and you have the different versions behind you yes. it's so beautiful what has the reaction been like now that the book is out do people call you and say oh i have a photograph from you know like are you are people coming to you now with with more
2: we wish they would. And yeah. we wish they'd go, oh, I have a photograph. I'd love to give it to you. Um, and but they truth right is, they're I, very
0: rare. Like I just, that's what's so exciting about this book is you can't imagine 10 of these exist, let, let alone yeah. 300. You know, Like there's something overwhelming about the volume of them that's, that, that is attributed to
2: your, your work. And what you see here, I mean, there's 327 photographs in the book. This is comes out of a collection of, about 3,000, over 3,000 we have. We have gone through hundreds, hundreds of thousands and thousands of photographs to look and see and that have narrowed it down to the 3,000 that we have, the, the 327 made into the book. I mean, there's tons of photographs out there of men together, but it doesn't um, promote the love that these photos do. Um, that that we've narrowed our collection down to. Yeah, it's kind of like that line of like
0: I'm not sure what it is, but I know it when I see it. You know. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Talk to me about umbrellas.
1: Okay, so we uh, our first umbrella picture came very early in the first two years at some point, and we chose the photograph because of the look the two the couple had. They to us it was clearly a couple. And the next umbrella photograph showed up, we don't know when. We were not keeping records of any of this in the first few years. We weren't expecting this to ever turn into a collection, first of all, much less into a big collection, much less into a book. And so some of this we're just having, we're being asked all sorts of questions that we are having to really reach back and think about because we didn't make notes at the time, but... Over the years, and I would say it was probably 10 years into it, that we started to realize that the umbrella was a signifier because we had at that point maybe 30, 40, 50 couples that we chose only because of the look in their eyes or the embrace, but they were holding an umbrella. They were sharing an umbrella. And so the earliest one is from about 1860, and and then they stop at the end of the 1920s and you don't see it anymore. So right? Yeah. So during that time, and we can't find any scholarship on this. So there's nobody, nobody has written about it the way you can write about the rainbow flag or something like that. But clearly during that time, that was something that they all understood to be a signifier that we are a couple.
0: Right. This sends a message. There's mm-hmm. one picture that's really sassy because they're holding up a sign about marriage. Yeah. It, yeah. What is it? It says we can't, we're not married, but we would be, or what did it say?
2: Not married, but willing to be. Yeah, two and guys holding up this little sign. One hundred and twenty years ago. Wow. And, and it's it it is one of five photographs in a strip that we have of that couple, and you know, that's a, a prop that you would have if you went to a um, to have your photograph taken. That usually one man would hold up, and he'd have you know his best suit on and his hair, and he's like not married but willing to be. Or a woman, uh, and it was, it was a kind of like the the, the Match.com and, um, of the day, I guess. Like people, kind yes, of, right? Exactly. Hey,
1: ladies, I'm I'm
2: available. Is right. What it was.
0: Exactly. All yeah.
2: right. But these guys took this photograph of them holding the sign together, and you see a softness look in their eyes, and you know it's meant for them. They're professing their love for each other, right. and. Then if you look in the book beside the page next to it, it's another photograph of them together with an umbrella. They're staring into each other's eyes. It's just beautiful uh, look. And they have their fingers interlocked on the stem of the umbrella.
1: So there's no no question what this is, what they're saying. And, And it's astonishing that 120 years ago in a complete vacuum, not in the t- the day and time that we live in where marriage equality is discussed and voted on and and right. uh, decided by supreme courts and so forth but in a complete vacuum they and hundreds of others we have hundreds of photographs that signify the same sentiment they thought of themselves and wanted to think of themselves as married to each other
0: right damn what society said that's yep. this is this is strong enough to to withstand that talk to me about the bathing costumes because it was fun to see like the old-fashioned bathing costumes, and then one guy would kind of have it off, and like, yeah, it's just fun. You
2: know, we do, we don't know that <laughs> we don't know the history for it, but it, it's almost to that, you know, to it's you you, all, you had to be completely covered up at one time, even your arms, and then the swims. The men's bathing suits went to like a tank top top, right. and then they showed one breast after a while or chest muscle, right. and it slowly
1: um, – We don't know if that was a, a law or um, or something like that that the men had to be covered, their nipples had to be covered or something. it be interesting to find out. Maybe somebody else can look right. into this. But they're like I know there people. was an yeah. issue.
2: Yeah, I know there was an issue about it because of Johnny West who was uh, the first Tarzan, right? And he wasn't the, first. He, wasn't, well, he, <laughs> wasn't the no, he wasn't the first, but he was the most recognized. Uh, and about them being bare, completely bare-chested, uh, and it was a big deal because you couldn't be that way on a beach. Oh,
0: wow! <laughs> it was a scandal. Now, yeah. it, it, I think you wrote that you only know a little backstory about one of the couples. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so, and, and you were able to find so, that out through a relative?
1: Yes. We got uh, a lot of photographs from a, uh, a soldier from World War II. It's an amazing story. And we got them from his nephew, uh, they're all, who also happens to be a Texan, and the two soldiers were also Texans. And they were, and you can't make this stuff up, it's so crazy, Uh, John and Daryl, they were uh, members of the 42nd Infantry Division. And every division has a nickname like the Screaming Eagles or the, you know, whatever on fire or something like that. And the nickname for the 42nd was the Rainbow Division. There you go but it was named the rainbow division in 1917 after world war II because it was the, it was it was a division unlike others that brought soldiers in from all over the country into one division yes. most of them were you know regionally loca- regionally selected or something like that so here we have these two guys that are a couple and uh, they're the ones that uh, we talked about we bought the we bought the first few of them and they were 50-50 and then the one of the two of them in the snow showed up which made it 100% yes but yes. john and daryl were um, the Rainbow Division is famous, and two books have been written about it. We found out all this out recently, and we have the two books. And the reason the Rainbow Division is, uh, division is famous is that on April 29th, 1945, as they're marching across Germany, they're headed towards the ta- town of Dachau. And somebody intercepts the division and says, don't go into the town, follow this road in the forest, you have to do something. And they followed this road and they came across uh, a concentration camp and they liberated it. And so this was, you know, uh, this was a big deal. The the concentration camps weren't well known yet. It was, was still pretty early. Some had been found, most hadn't been. And, so John and Darrell were actually there because John took photographs of the gate at uh, the entry gate at Dachau and one really gruesome photograph that is famous and has been reprinted in lots of books and it's a boxcar with you know emaciated bodies piled high. So he took those photos himself, but oh, that's April 29th, 1945. Eight days later, Germany surrenders and World War II is over in Europe. And a few days or a week after that. John and Daryl hike up. They're now in Kitzbühel, Austria. They hike up into the Alps and they pose in the snow wearing rings that they gave each other, romantically embracing. And uh, the nephew wears the ring in that photo that belonged to his uncle to this day in honor of his uncle.
0: Wow, so the, when the nephew talks about his uncle, there's so much love there, like that, that they had, they knew each other well and that yes. he knew his whole they, story. they grew up
1: next door to each other. I forgot this part, this very sad part. John uh, was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy at the end of the war, and he came back to Texas and within two years was confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. So his mother took care of him, and they lived in the house next door to John's sister, and her son is the nephew that we got the photographs from. He passed. So this John living in a wheelchair had all these photographs of he and his boyfriend from world war II hidden in a shoebox in a home that he lived in with his mother and he would take them out the nephew knows this and pass this along to us take them out periodically and just reminisce about the love the the affair that they had the love relationship that they had so it was very special to him and he he knew his time was you know coming up coming up his uh, time was about to be over short And he gave this shoebox and this ring to the nephew and said, please keep these safe for me. He knew he was not going to be around much longer. We would paraphrase that to say, please keep these safe after me. Right. And the nephew didn't even look in the shoebox for, he went to college, then he got married, then he raised three sons. And then at some point he got curious about what was in the shoebox and that's what, and then he found these photos. Did he
0: know that his uncle was gay? Or was it yeah. like a shock? He did know, yeah. The uncle was
1: only out to the nephew for some wow. reason. They, were, they had a very close relationship, um, but he uh, was only out to the nephew.
0: I mean, and just imagine everyone in your book has stories like that. And that's oh, the, for sure. that's when you know. I wonder if because of the exposure of the book, maybe you might get to hear from other relatives. I'm putting that out.
2: Um, we We had right after the Guardian article dropped... There was a professor from Vienna that reached out to the Guardian and said, can you get me in contact with the, author, the authors of the book? There's a, a photograph and I know that the two guys are Duncan Grant, um, who is, uh, Duncan Grant is a, an artist, and then Rupert Brooke, just went blank a second, Rupert Brooke, who's a famous poet. He said, my question is, who took the photograph and what was the date? So you know the photograph it's on page two ten and eleven it's a it's a spread it's our one of our favorites, my favorite and, and actually both of our favorites um, and're oh, so gorgeous they're on the hillside yeah, laying it's the one one's, ones warm. laying on to, kind of yeah. top the other so the the one that's on top with all the gorgeous hair that you can see yes. is Rupert Brooke, and then the the guy below that has the blanket kind of pulling a little bit over yeah. his face is Duncan Grant. So we looked online and did a bunch of searches and found photographs of them. If it's not them, it's their twin. Um, but it doesn't have their name on the photograph, so we can't right now uh, say for sure it's them. But the professor in Vienna seemed to think it was. Yeah. And it dates to around 1910, which would be about right, because Rupert Brooke passed away fairly early in his life. from A mosquito bite. Yeah, uh, an infection of mosquito bite. Wow. I
1: think he was 28 years old when he died. Wow, that's And crazy. so here's a, photograph, here's a photograph of these two men that we're pretty sure are Duncan Grant and Rupert Brooke right. who were not famous then, they were young and they didn't, their careers had not blossomed into you know, fame yet. Yeah. And uh, there they are sharing a romantic moment on a picnic blanket eating a piece of bread.
0: There's lots of shots of guys sort of draped over each other, relaxed like limbs and they, they, they sort of echo each other in a way throughout the book, some of the poses. Did you yeah, notice that? for sure we
1: (laughs) can i can i do this and then you can finish it neil is the one that that discovered this we had at some point a couple years ago had amassed a lot of photographs that we hadn't put in albums yet and maybe 150 of them behind us is this large wooden dough board and i they were just piled up on the dough board and i said neil could you just take a look at these and see if you can figure out uh, how they would go into albums so that i can start putting them in the albums and Neil said, he said, I just looked at it like a deck of cards and I was matching. Go ahead, take it from there. I was,
2: it was like that guard card game where you just, you know, flip over and things match up. Yeah, and concentration. I... Yeah, I was, at first I was thinking you know, chronological, but that was just too crazy to do. And so I just started flipping and, and matching where it was over-the-shoulder, finger-holder, or double handholds. And we started making up names for them. Boyfriends what they were. on
1: bicycles, boyfriends on beach, boats, boyfriends in yeah. boats, boyfriends. And so I walked over after he said, I think I've got it. I walked over there, and he had all these categories. And it was just amazing because these, these intricate embraces and handholding and so forth – very intricate, there was no way these people could have been copying each other because they're from all parts of the world right. and they cross a huge swaths of time. So these were th- these were things that these couples arrived at organically that just matched yeah. because of their common humanity.
0: Yeah, something and, else I noticed, more mostly younger men and mostly thin. Like there, there aren't very many heavy, <laughs> but I just, think that's the way
2: people ate back then. I just don't yes, think it was as right? big a thing society-wise. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, Hugh and I were laughing at this because, you know, when we first got together, we've been together for 30 years now. We took a lot of photographs together when we were first young together, and young and pretty. Uh, but, you know, as you get older, you take less photographs. And you, it's like trying trying to do social media and post. We don't really have anything to post unless you go back 20 years ago. Right. So I think that's part of it as well.
1: I did just answer this question from somebody who bought the book about uh, this, the size of the, of the subjects. And there are some heavy set individuals in the book and i don't remember the page numbers but i gave him the page numbers yeah no but,
0: I, I, I think but i think the standards were different then and what people ate yeah. and how people yeah. lived um yeah i think these guys might be my favorite because yeah. they're so different it's one is very blonde but they're both beautiful one has a yeah. little mustache darker hair you guys have a crush in the book do you have, a, do you have oh, one that's well, like...
1: I think the, the um, Duncan Grant and Rupert Brooke photograph is one of our absolute favorites. It's right. just so gorgeous. So the 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 emotion and the um, the, the way they're draped across each other, you, you just they look like every worry in the world has just evaporated from their lives and, and their minds. And it's just, they're in this moment that is just wonderful. And um, there are, gosh we could there's pick tons of favorites for all sorts of reasons yeah that's a great one too i mean it's it's it, i don't know if it's a crush or if
2: it's just you know just the the sharing of love and the photos that just really just draw you in and make your heart race right page 259 sure you were talking about draping yourself over another person in a car i mean the the young guy laying across the front of a car and then oh, um, yeah. and hugging the other guy. But it's just, there, there's a way that, you know, there, there can be two guys hugged or, you know, with their arm around each other yeah. and they're, they're straight or they're friends or whatever. But when you have that totally relaxed body laying into another person and the touch and the, the fingers are almost imprinting into the other person's skin, that's that's when you're sharing emotion as well not yeah. just a friendly hug can you go to page
1: 297 i would be delighted <laughs> tell me if you can tell me what you see there well it's it's
0: two men one's lighter haired, lighter skin but they're standing over some kind of ornament or something or uh, is it's oh it's a selfie yes it's a mirror shot.
1: It's the first, yes, below, it's not, you it's don't a see camera. it in the book, but right below that they wrote in white ink in the mirror. It is the first documented selfie of a romantic male couple. That we have. 1900 probably. Wow, what did they 19- write in the mirror? Yep, right, uh, 1902 possibly. The, that He's holding in, the guy on the left is holding in his left hand the rubber ball, yeah. squeeze ball, that you trip the, sh- the shutter of the camera with. And this would have been it's done in a mirror. Ferries, Shutter Tripper. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Now, you have in the back any inscriptions that were written on the back or yeah. or whatever, so people can see if there was any clue about their names or anything. Do you have a favorite inscription? Is there something that was written on one of the, the Yes, pictures? but it's
1: not in the book. That's all right. <laughs> What is or it? The, the, okay. one, that, one that's- We in have the book to have a sequel. We're gonna
0: have a sequel, so that's fine. It's all good. Okay,
1: <laughs> well, um, we'll show you the, the one that's in the book, which is really amazing. Uh, it's a tame photo. Uh, when you look at just the image, but when you read the inscription on the back while Neil is looking for that one, there's a really nice photograph taken around 1910 of two young college students in their dormitory and they're laying on, they're fully clothed, but (laughs) laying on their bed together and somebody has drawn horns on them and blacked out their eyes and put a little mustache on the back. What was originally written is something like, you are the most beautiful creature that ever drew breath. I love you so much and blah, blah, something like that. That's all scratched out. And then written on top of of that is you are the most heartless egoist that I've ever known. And I hate your guts and something else like that.
2: An ugly breakup.
1: Yeah, an ugly breakup on a photo.
2: (laughs) I love that. So this is on page 291. Okay. And it's two, two men, and they're holding hands. Yep. Um, I am. Okay. Two men, they're holding hands, and they both have their arms kind of behind them. And then there's a, another man standing behind them with his arms going across their shoulders. Yeah, And on the back of that one, it says, uh, John, John, comma, David and Eddie, 1915. David shared Eddie's feelings for another kind of love. Wow,
0: another kind of love. Yeah. I love it. Maybe they were thr- a throuple. It could have been a throuple. No,
1: um, they're they're being presented as a couple yeah. by the by the third guy in the back.
0: Sure. Okay. I love it. They're so beautiful. Did you come across pictures of women in your hunts? Uh, women together.
1: We did, but as as we weren't really intentionally trying to do this, right. We really didn't do that. Right, you
0: you collected the ones that spoke to you, and you related to and stuff. But could somebody um, do a book like this of women?
1: Sorry, and two, we would come across um, photographs of of, of female couples, but, you know, during this time period, um, and even up until today, but especially then, when women posed in a photograph together, it was usually in a sexual way and it was usually as a performance for a heterosexual male. Right, it's There's harder to know the story.
0: Than... Huh? It would be harder to know their story. They would have other reasons for being in photos that look romantic. Yeah,
1: they. I, 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 we don't detect that they were in love with each other or even uh, lesbians at all. And so I, I think, you know, just photos of women in general during this time period are just going to be fewer. We did finally acquire our first one though, uh, recently, It is definitely a a romantic female couple.
0: I love it. Um, Some of the photos that move me are where the couple is with other people. Because I was like, oh, they were able to be themselves with some friends. I find that very moving and poignant. Talk to me about those pictures.
1: A lot of people assume that this was more difficult historically and in the past. And that's an open question. Because, uh, as you pointed out, there are we have lots of photographs. They're not in the book of uh, couples with friends, family, and so forth. And um, what what they didn't face back then that we face today is what I, I call the homophobic industrial complex. Right. Where, yeah. I mean, this is, it's a full-fledged industry right. to the, the, every minute of every day of their lives is devoted to, you know, ruining hours. Right. And that wasn't a thing back then. So while it certainly was, you know, not socially, um, I don't know, it wasn't, a, it didn't make you socially prominent to be a male couple. That right. Was not, it wasn't sort was of the norm. Right, but I don't think it was. Um, I think today we're living in the best of times and the worst of times.
0: Right, there weren't people out there trying to vilify you. That was the, right. the, that was their vilified job,
1: um, not like they are today. Okay. Yeah, but
2: if you look at page like one seventy four and one seventy five, uh, it's they're both the same two gentlemen in the, both of the photos, and one of them uh, they're up on a rock kissing, um, yes, and. If That one is Rocky Nook, which is since you're out in California, it's in uh, Santa Barbara, and it was Labor Day, nineteen ten, nineteen ten, and but the photograph directly to the side of it, there there they are with with their three friends, three ladies. One of them has her hands on her hips, you know, big she, her long dresses, up. She's right big up. long skirts, yeah. Yeah, they're they're ready to protect them in any way they can. And so it's it's a very sweet photograph. And, you know, they're very supportive of these two guys there. But then the one on Rocky Nook, there they are standing on a rock. You see the ocean behind them, you yeah. know, and they're up as high as they can be for the whole world to see.
0: Um, lots of men in uniform. Lots of men in uniform, which are very attractive. Um, I think the yep. sailor sailor uniforms are the sexiest. I think sailors, something about that uniform...
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. It started to dawn on us about halfway into this that we had an enormous number of military photographs. Yes. And then it starts to make sense because, um, you know, during between 1850s and 1950s, you know, travel and communication and everything was significantly different than it is today. And the way these men, you know, coming from small towns, remote areas or whatever, the way they were able to find one another was when they were forced together during war. Yeah. And so it just makes sense that, you know, when you push a lot of men together, you're going to be pushing a lot of uh, gay men together as well. And they will find each other. And that's what happened with John and Daryl. They we don't have any indication that they knew each other before they went into the service. Right. And uh, so that would be likewise true for uh, soldiers during World War One and World War Two, as well as wars all over the world that the U.S. had nothing to do with. We have our you know our military photos uh, are global, not just not just American.
0: Right before um, gays were allowed to serve openly in the military, I think these pictures would have been a strong argument for you know we're all we're all so reverent to our greatest generation and and World War Two and all of that. Well, gay people were part of that. You can see it right here. So I, I just think it's very powerful to see the men in uniform.
1: Are you familiar with Alan Baruby's book? And I can't even think of the title off the top of my head about, about this phenomenon. No, I am not. So he explains it in his book, which is uh, um, it's an amazing story. Um, when they started uh, drafting for World War II, they were trying to weed out all of the gay men and they failed miserably. And so a lot of gay men did serve during World War II. And at the end of the war, they were trying to lighten their financial burden for supporting soldiers. And so they took all the all the men that they knew to be gay and gave them a blue discharge. And a blue discharge means you are fired from the military because you are gay, period. That's what wow. it is. I didn't know that. And so they pulled the boats into the harbors in California and New York, and they just dumped them all out with blue discharges. And so, what are you going to do? Go back to Pocatello, Idaho with your blue discharge and show it to people? Because when you go applying for a job during that time, you have to show your discharge papers. And most people, for most people, it was no problem. Right. They also did this to African Americans. If any African American soldier had the tiniest infraction on his record, they gave, him, gave that person a blue discharge as well. And so, it was, oh, yeah. So these were decisions that were made so that the, the military didn't have to support them financially, medically, or in any other way. They were just like, we're cutting you loose. And so these all these soldiers ended up in New York and in uh, San Francisco, San Francisco LA. and in Los, like, Los Angeles with, you know, low prospects for employment, um, had, having been having, having served and fought for their country and survived it somehow. Many didn't survived it and then to be you know treated that way it's like they had a lot of common they had a lot of problems in common and that drew them together and that's how those communities formed people think of people fleeing rural america to new york and san francisco right. and it's just the opposite they were dumped in the they in were dumped there. They were, yeah dumped with there with their
0: blue discharge papers blue maybe discharge. that's a bar the blue discharge you could
1: open
0: up <laughs> um oh, wow no. So, what has it meant to you guys as a couple to have this passion together that that you've watched grow over the years? And I would think it's such a unique thing to be working on together. I think
2: it, it is, and it's <laughs> the only thing it's, I know. It's the only thing with 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 COVID and you know being stuck in a uh, in the apartment together. But it's you know when we when we started out, like I said, it wasn't a collection. We didn't really think we were collecting anything, and so I would get, I would find one or two, Hugh would find one or two, and it was, you know, maybe a year or so into it, we realized what we were doing, and then so we started talking about it, but within the last five, six years is when we really have um, started working more and more together, I think closer on it, and you know, when you're putting together a book, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what photographs go into it, and Um, and writing the essay in the beginning and what goes into that and just the collaboration. There's a lot of decisions that you have to make. Yeah. It's a lot of decisions. And, you know, it's not like we didn't love and adore each other before, but you know, when you can actually love someone and you can work with them as well, uh, because this has turned into, it seems like a full-time job now for both of us. It's um, you know, I, I can't imagine working with anyone else. I love it. How did you guys first meet? In a bar, <laughs> nice, perfect. Called the Blue Discharge. Nineteen, yes, yes. <laughs> a little blur.
1: bar called the Blue Discharge. <laughs> yeah. nineteen uh,
2: ninety-two in Texas, in, in Dallas. Dallas, and so I mean, you know, there was no other way to to meet to meet. What was the a bar? bar? Is it still there? That's
0: yeah. It's, it, it's,
2: I think it may be called something. Else. It was called uh, Four Thousand One. No, it no. was it was the other one. Uh, the it was called the Village Station. Nice, and and I think it's still there. It's right across from the what's the country park? The roundup. roundup. Right the, we, we didn't go out that much after right. we met. So actually one time. Uh, so yeah, we, so there's a quick, a quick version of it. My version is I was on the dance floor. It was tea dance. It was a uh, trash disco on Sunday. Oh, remember being able to dance with people?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: and, well, we remember when the lights would come on and you couldn't be dancing with someone. You couldn't even, you had Ugh. to find a, a girl or just stand. But, um, we, I, I saw him on the dance floor. He happened to be dancing with a mutual friend of ours. He left the dance floor. I was walking past him, going, I guess, to the restroom. I stopped, introduced myself, which I never do. I When I came back by, I had written my name and number on a card and I slipped it in his pocket and kept walking. My back pocket, because I, Man, I love that. You and, were like I just, audacious. And I felt something. And
1: I went and I turned around to see who was touching me <laughs> and, and I see him walking away with this big smile on his face. I didn't know he'd put his number in my back pocket till I got home.
0: So you got home, and you found the number and you're like,
1: oh. I put, I emptied my pockets on the bedside table, you know, the, you know, change that uh, that slip that had his name and number on it and other stuff. And then two weeks later, I was just cleaning house and I was, you know, putting things away and I came across his number and went, like, oh, that was a guy I met at uh, the village station, whatever it was called at the time. And I called him up and asked him out on a date. So we basically put ourselves on, our, on a blind date and um, went to see the movie Bugsy and dinner afterwards. And it's kind of been it since then.
0: I love it. Bugsy, little Annette Benning, Warren Beatty, yeah. gauzy, gauzy yep. camera work. And you're there. You know what else was just striking me about this book? So often in old photographs, people are sort of stone faced. They don't right. have a lot going on. Right. But in all of these pictures, there's real emotion coming forward. They're real yeah. joy, love. Like, they're different than old photos just on that level for me, I think. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I think
2: so many straight couples, you know, the the one was considered property. Alive. Yeah. And it was just very, very stone-faced, as you said. and were no, they It, it, no it emotion, was almost as
0: though they were told, show no feeling, you know? Yeah. Right.
2: It's like don't move because you're having yes. your photograph taken and right. here it is. But these people didn't care. And so, you know, that's that's the part of it that's that's so amazing.
0: I love it. Um it seems like with auctions, do you ever get your heart broken? Like you find a perfect picture and they want how much money for that?
2: Like Holy crap. Well, yeah. Or or we're at an auction and you know, you get beat out because you didn't realize and we we put in silent bids before And, you know, thinking big ones, big ones, thinking, oh, you know, that'll cover it off and we're good. But, you know, those are few and far between because, I mean, they can be really expensive. And then you're just like your eyes about fall out of your head when you see what something goes. How much? Like
0: I've had that experience on a dumb thing on eBay. But Mm -hmm. yeah, to, to have that be part of the hobby is that kind of uh strategy and deciding what's too much or no we can't but we've got to it's so great we can't no you know it's a lot um Um, we have a lot of
2: those discussions
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so um what's the reaction been like since the
1: book came out well um it's been like an atomic bomb going off yeah and um it's it's literally the embrace that's been heard around the world people we're getting um requests for information, uh, just people reaching out to say thank you from all over the world, literally all over the world. The book launched in four languages, uh, English, French, Italian, and German. We added Spanish recently. So it's, that covers quite a few areas in the world, but in a lot of places in the world, it's not available. And so we get people from Finland, from uh, Kenya, from um, Wow, oh, New Zealand saying, is the book available here? Uh, can I get it here? Because they've come across an article about it or something and through this process people have reached out to us through facebook and through instagram and twitter and um uh what's the other just just email email and they have shared some of the most amazing in some cases heartbreaking and in some cases heartwarming stories with us uh, that is you know they they're sharing something about having received the book and and um seen its message and and perceived its message it has uh, you know, served as some sort of a healing or uh, comfort in their life that they had been looking for. And, you know, in all honesty, neither of us, when the when we got our copies of the book over a month ago, neither of us opened it up and looked at it. Why? Um, because we didn't, it was done. Right. And there was nothing that could be changed about it. Right. And we, we weren't sure, we hoped, but we weren't sure if the book would speak and if it did speak, if people would hear it. Right, you were, an, so, you
0: were a little anxious about it. You, you yeah, were like, about uh, it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, so I, I don't, don't know what we what have we here, think. but it's too late to change it.
1: Exactly, who cares what we think about it? Right. What we think about it isn't important anymore. We, we were waiting to see, we crossed our fingers and held our breath and Amazon was sold out in 24 hours the day it launched. And then we started getting these messages from people. And what these mes- messages have confirmed and what they've shared with us is that the book does speak and it has a powerful message and people are pers- they're, they're receiving the message and um, you know it's our hope that in, in some way in, or in some small way or some significant way that it will it's made a change in their life for the better and, and we say we hope that that's actually been expressed to us. And so it's confirmed for us that the book, And the message from the book does reflect our collection and does reflect the message that we were wanting to put out in the world by publishing the book. Uh, Well, I will
0: say this when I first read about it or whatever, the feeling was instant and visceral. It wasn't like I had to read a 500 page article about you guys and look at 20,000 pictures. It was just like one or two images and oh my God, this book. Like it it was, it, it, it calls to you really quickly with just looking at a few of the images and you wanna, you wanna, you want to take that feeling and 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 get the book and and really kind of bathe in it, I guess.
2: And and what we've seen is because of people gifting it, because parents giving it to their kids, and like I said earlier, and kids giving it to their parents, and and just friends buying for friends. It's that awareness and accepting it. It's an acceptance that they go, "I see that love is love, and I'm giving you this." And and so you know, it's this we we did this limited edition of 1000 books uh, to help promote the launch of our book and for an exhibition and um, launch here in New York and in Frankfurt which hopefully will happen when covid is gone right uh, but people would send in dedications and it was one was um, to my grandson and his partner so happy for your engagement um, many years of love to you both. And it was Grammy Jude and Pawpaw, uh Papa Dave. And Grammy I was and Papa
0: are into it.
2: I know. I was walking down the street when I read the email with the dedication and just burst into tears coming back with my groceries. So, I mean, it was just, uh, we get not, those on a daily basis and yeah. it's just wanting to share that they found a connection and they understand that, You know, you're my grandson, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my dad, and I see that there's love for you out there, and and I want you to know how much I, you know, appreciate it and can share that with you and be a part of it.
0: That's so beautiful, and you get those messages every day from all over. What percentage of the book would you say are Americans? I know it's impossible to know, but is it, but I know there are people from Bulgaria, I I read was a lot, and like, yeah.
1: Maybe not 80. But just guessing, we'd say that the American photographs account for probably, let's say, 75%. Uh, and the uh, foreign photo, I think it might be lower than that, though, when you think about all the foreign. Uh, Russia has just come into the market recently in the last few years. So, what's in the book, though? Oh, sorry. Did you ask what's in the book? Yeah, or what's in,
0: in the book, like what percentage would you say are, are American? Oh, yeah, 80,
1: maybe
2: eighty percent in the book. Yeah. There's a lot of U.S. photographs in there that were taken in a foreign country, but they're they're U.S. soldiers.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a picture of two African American soldiers sitting yeah. on a like a almost like toboggan style on a bench.
1: It's so beautiful. Can we explain something about? Did we do this already? No, um, let's do it. One, one <laughs> of the the only complaint that we've heard about this book is that there aren't very many people of color in the book. Right. And the reason for that is, you know, unfortunately, very simple. Uh, our collection numbers over three thousand, and we have collected every single African American or biracial couple that we have come across. Every single one of them. And right. That number is about thirty, maybe thirty. So they're extremely rare, and they're extremely expensive when you do find one. We have a collector we've been working with for uh, 15 years at least in California who has two wonderful photographs of, of African American, two different African-American couples. He won't sell those to us at any price. We bought lots of photographs from him, but he won't part with those. Right. And so the reason there are only two in the book is that of the 30 that we had, these were the only two that had a good enough quality in terms of being able to blow them up into a larger format for publication. The others they were a little bit blurry, as were most of the photographs of anybody else in the book. you know, they were taken by amateurs, so their focus wasn't good or it was maybe double exposed or something like that. Even though the message still reads, it's not something that we could you know put in the book. Uh, we had to choose photographs that had a strong message and had good quality uh, resolution, and those were the only two that, that we had. So if there were more African-American couples to be had out there, we'd have them, but they're just unfortunately, you know, unfortunately like today, the African-American community was, you know, greatly disenfranchised, uh, more so even then than they are today, and it, that includes having a picture taken, apparently.
0: Right. Um, I noticed there's a lot of picture of people's heads together, almost like they're Siamese twins. Like that comes up again and again, which I guess we do that today, but it just seems a little different. Like there, something about the way their heads are posed. It's,
2: it's so funny that you're saying that because uh, on Instagram even yesterday, the like that. There, there, was a, there was a guy who uh, said I was, I, he wrote me, he said, I was looking at the cover of this book and I've been trying to figure out where did I see it? Where did I see it? And he sent me a photograph of he and his husband. It was 20 years earlier. And they have a photograph of them leaning. And he has his hand draped over the guy's, his his boyfriend, now husband's, shoulder. And it mimics it perfectly.
1: Can you go to page 75?
0: I love going to the page in my hymnal. It's like going to my page in the hymnal. Okay, page 75. Yep, same thing.
1: Okay, that photograph is one of five that appear on one card from about 1870. Wow! And so it's two men. They're the sort
0: center. of in tuxedos, very formally dressed. Mm-hmm. Yes, both mustaches. So the
1: photograph in the book is in the center of the card, and in each corner of the card is a solo photo, two of each of them. Right. And the, the, the solo photos aren't in the book, but. Um, when you look at the solo photos of them in the four corners of the card, you see, you know, very nice, you know, see pride, you see a little stoicism, you see some happiness, you see some whatever. And then when you get to the one in the center where they touch their heads together, everything becomes calmer. Softer softness. Everything, yeah, it's just, they're just so obviously in love with each other. And yeah. it's a very rare, um, it's a very rare photo it's also, collection because it's all on one card.
0: It's also moving because back then having your photo taken was an event. Now we yeah. just snap pictures all the time, but then and, it was something that didn't happen all the
1: time. You might do it twice in your life, yeah.
0: If, and you have some that are photo strips from booths, which mm-hmm. is great because you don't have to have anyone else take it. Nobody has right. to develop it. You can, I, you can, you can kind of keep it private, right? Yep.
1: Yeah, we have a huge photo booth collection because of that. What you just said right there, they didn't have to. They could be the subject, the photographer, and the developer, and nobody had to know anything. No
0: one had to know. Do you have a favorite photograph just in terms of the artfulness of the picture, the composition? Have... Do you have a favorite photo just in terms of the artfulness of the photograph, the composition, I, I... the lighting? Is there one that's just like, that is beautiful?
2: There's, well, I, I think the the one that... Um page 210 and 11, which is Duncan Grant and Rupert uh, Brooke, it is that because it, it hits on all aces and you, know, you could frame it and hang it in a museum. But there are some gorgeous photos with the sepia tones and and one is on page 114. Right. And um, it, it's one of the military photos and two guys laying um, on a cot and one has his shirt off and has and the other guy's arm is um, underneath his head, kind of holding his head up. Um, and it, it's just the tone and the lighting that goes across their bodies and their face is just yeah. unbelievable. And the, the way the, just... the
0: silver of the chrome get co- yeah. pops from the bunks is it, it, so we We
1: categorize our collection in three tiers. One is a romantic couple posing together. Two is a romantic couple posing in bed clothed. Uh, that so that's this one and this this one is a stunning one and then the the highest tier is if they're kissing each other yeah and that's at the end of the book. Now, so this, you come this across, one you're asking,
0: did you come across any with nudity
1: in your in your? Uh, we do have one of of a couple on the beach right. and one guy's wearing his bathing suit and the other guy is just taking his off and and he's they're they're embracing sideways so all you see is like the side of his leg and his and his butt cheek but right. um, it's a it's a wonderful photograph we wanted it to be in the book but the publisher didn't um in this case right he, we here's our position sure homosexuality has been well documented as a crime right. or as an activity or as a whatever sexual activity or um you know for Thousands of years. Right. In order to capture, you know, in order for your loving relationship to capture the attention of a, an artist who would paint you or sculpt you or whatever the medium was, you know, over time in memoriam, loving male couples were not on the list.
2: Right.
1: And so along comes photography where you can either find a friendly photographer and have your picture taken or you can take your own picture or something and it becomes a great equalizer. So even though they couldn't share these photographs, for the first time in the history of the world, these couples could document their feelings for one another through a photograph. Right. Where they would have, before, they would have had to have had the attention of an artist or, or some other medium, whatever it would have been during the time that other relationships were being recorded, but not these. And so starting in the 1850s, we can document this all the way up to today, of course, obviously, but we stopped in the 1950s. These photographs, these, these men were determined to, as you said earlier, m- memorialize their feelings for one another. They had to take this photograph. It was an imperative for them. Yes. And then, for it to survive, they had to hide it. Yes. And these photographs have been hidden for all these years, since the 1850s. Somehow they live under our roof, you know, enough to make up a book. And so these couples, for the first time in history, can now narrate their own lives. Their lives are not going to be narrated by politicians or religious leaders or anybody else like that. They get to say, this is who we were. We mattered to one another. We loved each other. We took the risk of taking this photograph because this is, you know, it was important to us. We were important to each other. And, and you know, to, for it to survive, we were going to hide it and visit it every once in a while to remember the good times. And then somehow it survived past their lives and into our lives. And now it's a book. And
0: now it's a book. And now everyone can... Can feel it. They may not know the names. They may not know where you were, what country you were, anything. But they can feel the love. The love comes through. It's so beautiful. I'm getting kind of emotional. Um, tell people how they can find the book and uh, uh, how they can buy it, and if there's any special editions or anything. It's holiday season. This is a beautiful uh, gift option for people out there.
2: Well, so uh, if you're looking for something extra special, we do have the limited edition signed and numbered books on our website, and that's at loving1000.org. And we have them here at the house. We'll personally sign them, uh, send them out within 24 hours. So you know, you can have it, and you can tell us what anything you want to write, and then we're, we're happy to dedicate to anyone. Uh, And
1: then uh, it's a a limited in in that there are only 1000 copies of it and 800 are gone already. So there's uh, about 200 left of
2: the limited edition
1: of the limited edition. It's tier priced starting at $100 going up to a thousand. All of the thousand dollar editions are are copies are are already sold. All of the $100 uh, copies are already sold. So what's left is 150 to 500 and it's a tax deductible donation.
2: Oh, that's amazing! That's yeah. nice. For the commercial edition, uh, you they can you know we would ask that they would call someone, call their local bookstore, an right. independent bookstore, just to support shop local. Um, but if you don't have one's caring, uh, then Barnes and Noble and Amazon.
0: Yeah, you said before that when the final book arrived, you didn't look at it for a while. What well, was it like when you finally did, or did you? Well, we've been looking at it together a bit, so you must have looked at it some.
1: Well, it's the book, the the images aren't a surprise to us, obviously, because we've been living with them for 20 years in some cases. And um, um, I personally, I just hoped that people would see what we know our collection is about. We hope that the book would deliver that message. And I think we're just too close to it that we couldn't tell ourselves. So I looked through it and I loved it, but I didn't go, oh, everybody else is gonna love this too. I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure about that. Were you, I do yeah.
2: know? I, you know, I, I we, have a, we have a lot of art books and I look at it and I think it, uh, that it's, uh, it meets what we wanted. I think that it's, uh, because the photographs are there, they tell a story for sure. Um, and our publisher went all out on the paper, the quality, the printing, because it's a four color printing.
0: Something about holding it in your hand though must have felt amazing. When that box, I've had a couple of books published. When you open that box and there's a stack of them,
1: it's thrilling. And the smell.
2: The smell. smell.
1: (laughs) It's all about the smell. The response from all over the world has just been absolutely incredible. And so we don't need to go through the book. It's achieved what we wanted it to achieve on a much grander scale than we ever imagined was possible. So we're very gratified by that. Uh, whether we whether when we look at the book we have that reaction now or not it's uh it's unimportant everybody else is having the reaction we hope for right you've you've
0: you've you've given birth and now it's out in the world for people and they love the baby you're gonna do an exhibition soon is that right
1: valentine's day valentine's day
2: yeah february 14th uh the exhibition will be at hogarth media uh it's in midtown
1: here in new york city Right. And
2: then it'll stay up for a couple of months so people will be able to go and socially distance and wear a mask and see, um, see some of the blowups of, of photographs and get a one-on-one. Um,
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, I hope I can get out there to see it. I would love to see them in person and, and you guys as well. Um, Thank you. All right, here's my final question. It's kind of weird. You may go with it or not. Say somebody like you guys in 200 years is going to find a photograph of you that told your story. What photograph would it be
1: oh.
0: and it doesn 't have to be the same. You can pick different ones
1: um,
2: well i 'm going to just bring up one photograph because now it 's out there, and you know you put stuff on Instagram and you never know what 's going to happen, and you know, we'll oh yeah we, we oh, have yeah, we have like four thousand followers, and you know and we 'll get a hundred likes to two hundred likes on something. We had a. I posted a photo of us from 1992, three 1993, and it has nearly 4,000 likes on it. It got more likes than what we had uh, followers, and it's a picture of us at the March on Washington in 1993. Uh, we had been together for a year, and Hugh, in the middle of the night,
1: made a sign. And there's a big pink sign. Pink. Paper and I wrote. I hope I remember this right. My body, my bedroom, my beliefs, my business. Well and done. It got I like a lot it. of attention, and so there's a and picture of
2: I'm on his shoulders somehow, <laughs> somehow holding holding the sign up in the air in front of the Washington Monument, and it's so. I mean, you know that that's kind of that's a was, good photo. That's a, a great, great it photo. It tells and, a
0: huge story. It talks about yeah. it tells, it's political it's romantic it's 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 you know it's got so many elements
1: it's amazing and so many people responded to it on instagram i mean thousands more than we have followers, so it got passed around I don't know how Instagram works. No, yeah. Neil knows better than I do but in terms of that's... it was it
2: was a hashtag because I had to ask someone i i'm I'm not a good at social media whatsoever in social with you Somewhat, someone, I said, how did you hear about it? And they said it was hashtag gay husbands because I've just, I've tried to learn hashtags and that that's what did it for this one photo. If you're talking about another photo, I mean, sure. we just had, we've never had a portrait taken Same of us before. And so here's, I don't know if you can see it. There's that one.
0: Amazing. I love it. I love it. I'm going to pull that off Instagram and uh, maybe put it on my, on the, on the episode page with this. If that's a good okay with you.
2: Yeah. The, the other photo, though, that represents the book, and it wasn't like we were mimicking anything, but it actually, I think she's, I mean, we have a few photos that actually show that we love each other. But the one that we had taken by Bill Westmoreland a couple of weeks ago, finally, because we were able to get in through because of COVID, right. um, that we now use as our PR photo. Um uh, I think you know if I wanted someone to go, oh wow, that's you know something meaningful and beautiful like these photographs are to us. I think it has, it has that to it.
0: I love yeah,
1: that.
0: <laughs> you guys are so sweet. Will you send me that photo and I'll use it on as the image to sure. go with the with this podcast along with the cover? Um, I'm so glad this came together. Thank you for talking to me. Um, I'm so impressed with what you've created. I think it's going to move people greatly and, uh, and change hearts and minds in a way. Uh, and and um, you. all these beautiful men and their beautiful stories are still with us and being told. Yeah. They, were yeah. out, they came out of the shoebox. Yeah, right. And into <laughs> the light. <life.
1: laughs> yeah. Awesome.
0: Perfect. All right. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank thanks you. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again to Hugh Nini and Neil Treadwell. Get their beautiful book, Loving. All right, so this happened. Saturday night, we did our first of three mismatch game shows on Zoom. Um, Zoom for the holidays edition. We're doing three Saturday nights in December, the 5th, the 12th, and the 19th. And uh, the 5th, it went great. Um, Very, very little technical problems with the Zoom of it all, which is a relief. Um, An amazing cast. It was so funny. Uh, Danny Casillas' Reba Arriba. When uh, Wendy Williams was played by Danielle Gaither, we had Stevie Nicks for the first time, played by Chris Pudlow. Zoe Deschanel was back in the form of Tom Lank. My friend Jackie Clark, who I haven't seen since the pandemic started, showed up as Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm missing one other one. Drew Drogi was back as Donald Sutherland. So a ragtag bunch. Um, one of my favorite things that happened was. Liz Taylor decided to bully Zoe Deschanel. Like, she just decided she doesn't like her. <laughs> and so they kept feuding, but they would change their Zoom backdrops to taunt each other. Like, at one point, Liz Taylor showed up with one of the property brothers. I guess Zoe Deschanel's um, dating one of the property brothers, and Liz would say, Oh, look who's in my bed, or whatever. And then the next go around, uh, Zoe Deschanel would be. Uh, uh, in her Zoom room with a young, hot Richard Burton all over him. And so they were going back and forth. Um, it's it, it's it's just hilarious. First of all, that, that these performers were quick on the Zoom um, technical part of it all. I love Liz Taylor in bed, just a tech quiz, finding backgrounds and uploading them and, you know, switching them on their Zoom. It's just funny to think about. But we raised some money for the center. We had a great time. Um, it just came together and it's just so weird that I am literally three feet from my bed putting on a show that I'm hosting and producing so it can go good or it can totally crash and burn, but I'm just in my room. I don't have, uh, I don't have shoes on, you know, if I get nervous and need to puke, the toilet in my house is literally five feet away. Like, it's just so weird to be... In your home, but also doing something very public—that's like a show that can, you know, can go go good or not so good or however it, however it is. But um, when we first decided to do the shows in December, um, we kind of figured that that the, there would still be quite a lot of lockdowns in place, but we didn't know it was going to get so much worse. And so uh, I'm really glad that we decided to do it so that we have something to keep us, you know, smiling and laughing and hopefully other people as well. So there's two more shows to go. You can find out information. If you go to LA dot and then click on their cultural arts department. And then on our stages are the two tabs, or just go to Eventbrite and search for the mismatch game. There's not a lot of events happening, so hopefully it'll come up. Or if you follow my Instagram or Facebook or anything, you can find it. Um, yeah, it's fifteen bucks, and you can even be a contestant and maybe you know win a gift card or something fun. All right, that's enough. It's a long podcast, but it was a fun one. So thanks for listening. Uh, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.